This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Katie on from Certain, and our topic today is how to keep background screening compliant despite regional disparities. And uh, this is going to go in a lot of different directions. I can't wait to talk to Katie about this. Katie, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and uh, certain. Sure. Thanks for having me, William. I'm really excited to talk about the topic we have today. Uh, I am based in Pennsylvania outside of Philadelphia. I am the VP of U.S. Operations and Compliance here at CERTAIN. We are an international consumer reporting agency, but we have operations and an entity in the U.S., I've been an active member in the Professional Background Screening Association, known as PBSA, for almost 15 years, co-chaired the Government Relations Committee for a few years, and I'm currently serving my second multi-year term on the Board of Directors. I've done a few podcasts, written a few blogs, spoken at some conferences, and I thoroughly enjoy being a huge background screening nerd. And that's my background. Well, well, let's geek out. Uh, PBSA, y'all have a, a conference coming up, I believe, right? We do in Denver in just about two weeks. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so let's talk about regional disparities. Because The last time I, I talked to folks about regional disparities, it was around uh, more around uh, the legalization of uh, marijuana. And okay, how do we deal with that? But, uh, but since pay has come up, uh, and, and certain areas have different rules around pay, that's actually been a little bit more topical of late. Uh, take the audience into what you see in some of the, re- like, let's just kind of go and spiderweb the regional disparities that they might not know of. Uh, I, I'd actually say, I, I wouldn't say there's as, as much of a pay impact that I'd be talking about today, as much as I'd say the impact on the background screening process. Right. Um, generally throughout the different regions. Uh, for businesses operating at the national or international level, you know, crossing state lines and borders definitely has meant, you know, different laws and requirements depending on where a candidate lives or works. Um, and many organizations now are experiencing challenges with that. Um, there's ban the box laws, there's disclosure and authorization requirements, adverse action requirements, and all that good stuff. And although that's always existed, um, it's become a lot more difficult for employers to navigate that requirement. Um, specifically because um, there's a lot more remote work. Um, Mm -hmm. People are working in different areas and employers aren't necessarily familiar with those areas and what those laws are. Um, They need to know which laws to apply. Um, The ban the box and the fair chance trend, uh, for Mm -hmm. those that aren't familiar with it, you know, there have been, um, you know, there's an effort to try to get ex-offenders back into the work industry. And in doing so, there are ban the box and fair chance requirements now that say you can or can't do this during the background check process. We want to make sure everyone has a fair chance at a job, you know, rightfully so. 
Um, and 37 states and over 150 cities have now adopted some sort of uh, policy which impacts the background screening process. And so employers need to be familiar with what these areas are so they can apply those required practices. Um, and so, you know, some of these laws uh, we need to follow, they overlap and they often conflict. And so instead of having one law to follow, there's, there's many different laws and also consideration of all these different geographies. Employers, you know, can no longer just work in that, you know, single geography vacuum that they're used to. So let's start with the, how do you, how do they, the compliance, how do you, how do you know that you are, aren't compliant, right? So the auditing process, et cetera, because you, you, you nailed something that's really, really compelling to me around uh, now I can get a job uh, for a company that's in Paris uh, or the, the reverse is also true. Companies in Paris can hire me. Uh, so the global, now now your talent acquisition uh, team knows this, the, your, 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 your source of candidates can come from all over the world now, which is great. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's uh, again, I don't think in the hiring process, I don't even think they know what the hiring laws are in Kenya. Or in a in a in a in a region of Kenya that might be different than they are in Detroit. So how did how do you how, what's advice that you would give to people in terms of okay, let's just start with the basics. Let's go back to how do you how do you get if you're not in compliance, that's fine. How do you get compliant? Yeah, for sure. And that's a great question because I couldn't tell you what you know the laws in Kenya are off the top yeah, of my head. Nor could I. Um so number one is making sure that you have access to legal counsel always. Um, if you're, especially if you're a larger organization working, you know, internationally, but even nationally, it can be challenging. Just make mm -hmm. sure that you bring in legal early and often um, with candidates that are coming in from an area where you're not familiar with those laws for one. Um, the other thing is making sure that the organization in general is applying state and local regulations. And you're not going to know what those are. So again, legal is going to tell you what those are. They're going to make you familiar with that, with what those are. Um, the other thing is um, it's important to join associations. Um, you know, just in general, there's SHRM, I'm sure most people have heard of in the U.S., um, you know, for human resources and making sure that you're involved in different associations, signing up for education in different places, that's how you're going to become in the know. Um, you know, and lastly, your screening agency is really going to be who helps you and guide you in the right direction. Talk to them. Uh, I always say to employers, reach out to your screening agency. They're not necessarily going to give you any legal advice, uh, but they will definitely point you in the right direction if they're a good screening company and they'll, you know, get you to a place where you know where to start. So, uh, first of all, uh, great advice. Um, and state, local, federal, international, just uh, the way that we would peel the onion. And for the audience uh, edification, uh, we're talking about employer employment lawyers uh, specifically, right. right? Right. Um, what do you see uh, in in terms of uh, background? What used to be background checks on the front end of recruiting versus um, kind of a continuous kind of screening and monitoring? Do you see, uh, again, the regional disparities, do you see anything going on there kind of when you look at the market? Uh, the only real regional disparities that are coming, you know, really to the top of my head um, relate to certain states that don't allow continuous monitoring without, you know, fresh consent. 
So that's always something that if, you know, oh, companies are now doing continuous monitoring and a lot of companies have implemented that on some level um, and you have candidates that are living in different states or, you know, different countries even, um, there are specific geographies that say you cannot continue to monitor and run a new background check automatically um, unless you have brand new consent, which means that that, you know, evergreen clause that typically um, in, you know, is found in every disclosure and authorization with, that we used to give. We used to say, you know, here's your authorization and sign it. And by the way, we can run a new background check for so long as you are an employee of our organization. Um, those regional disparities do exist where depending on where the candidate lives or works, uh, that may not be allowed. And so again, legal and your screening company can kind of get you in the know on where those areas might be. I love that. So, okay, so two two sides of the same coin, right? Um, folks that, uh, and again, without brands or names or any of that type of stuff, but basically the question is, is people that have just done this really well, like a stories that you've heard or stories that you've witnessed or anecdotes, et cetera, and then the flip side, horror stories of where this has just <laughs> gone off the rails. And again, no brand names, no nothing. I don't, we don't need that. It's just the stories that are really compelling for folks. Uh I don't know if I have any any really good or bad stories um, specifically, but I will say if you go into it blindly, employers that kind of just assume they'll just dodge a bullet, um, they don't dodge the bullets. Um, right. Candidates are actually way more in the know than companies realize on what their rights are uh, and what employers are required to do. And so I'll tell you generally horror stories that happen now that never happened before um, is that when an employer doesn't necessarily do what they're supposed to do, it used to just be, well, you know, no one will really find out. Um, right. But now consumers and plaintiffs attorneys are seeking out um, companies and, you know, employers who aren't, who aren't following the laws. Um, and what they'll do is they'll, they'll go apply for a job on the, the background screening website, you know, for the employer. And they'll go through the process looking for holes and, then the you know the candidate gives that information to the plaintiff's attorney, and um, that attorney then goes and sues the organization for that, oh. uh, and it becomes a class action. Right. And so that is that is crazy because you know ten years ago that really wasn't happening, but now because everyone realizes how difficult it is to navigate all of these laws correctly, and it is a challenge. Um, companies are being seeked out. So even if you're you're kind of flying under the radar, you're a smaller organization, um, you're still kind of a target if you're not doing what you need to do. So it's really important to kind of follow that advice, make sure that, you know, you keep access to that education and, you know, have legal close to you. I love that. So what part uh, have you seen like social media? Because first of all, I absolutely agree. And I can see on the, as as you mentioned, consumers, employ, employees, candidates, et cetera, uh, something's wrong. I hit Twitter, you know, and, and, and put that person or that company or whatever on blast. And now it's out in the open. Whereas before, as you said, it was just something that just was, it, it, it suffered in silence, uh, if you will. So what do you, what have you, what have you seen in terms of social media? That happens. Um, yeah. And I've seen it happen. Uh, and I've seen it on multiple, multiple social media platforms. And I mean, at the end of the day, it, there's two sides to that coin, right? Because right. sometimes things are put out there that are true and things that are put out there that are not true. Uh, and ultimately, you know, the 
employers and organizations, including screening companies, um, even if they are doing the right thing, it's costly to prove that they're doing the right thing. Um, and so really trying to have those ducks in a row up front uh, and trying to avoid any, um, any issues for candidates specifically really helps eliminate those types of opportunities for, for consumers to have something negative to say. But that does absolutely happen. Um, and there's, there's only so much you can really do about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, well, you do if you're doing the right thing on the front end, then you have nothing to worry about. Uh, yeah, people it, can still people can still say that you didn't do oh, the right thing, 100%. but if you do actually do the right thing, there's less of a chance that someone is going to go through that method. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So I should have started with with this at the beginning, but for for folks that are listening, what 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 do you see in background screening today? That's uh, that, that's you know that's new and improved, if you will. But like the wonderful world of background screening, if people haven't paid attention uh, as you, you know, as you have, what do you see in background screening today? Uh, you mean on the positive side? Yeah, no, okay. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we'd love to talk about the positive. Um, right. So, I mean, the background screening industry has changed so much over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. Um, there's there's lots of automation available now that wasn't available before. Um, and when I say automation, I'm referring to, you know, criminal searches that, you know, are used to taking weeks and weeks. That does happen from time to time in certain areas. But generally speaking, there's a lot of um, electronic access to records now that didn't exist before. So background checks come back a lot quicker uh, in most cases. Uh, the other thing uh, that we see is uh, the method of getting um, background checks into a system is a lot easier. Uh, the candidate experience is so much better than it was, you know, a decade ago. Candidates are typically able to do everything from their mobile phone, enter in all of their information and sign everything. There's, you know, hardly ever any paper anymore. Unless, of course, you're working with, you're an employer where, you know, you're, you're working with people that just generally aren't good at electronics. There's usually always those options available. But um, in the way of technology, uh, we've just come such a long way. Uh, and generally speaking, I will say the biggest impact to, to the, the background check process uh, is it is a lot more consumer friendly now than it ever was. Um, you know, fairness to consumers is, is, is key. And usually that's priority for background screening companies and for employers uh, at this point in the game to make sure that, you know, an accurate uh, assessment can be made about a candidate. And, you know, you're looking at the full picture, not just whatever's on the, the background check report. Dumb question alert. Do you see uh, a world where it's, it's uh, as you said, consumer driven, but it's both sides. So we're going to do a background screen, but you get the, you get the results as well. Me being the employer? As a candidate, no, the candidate. Yeah, so that that actually happens now. Good. Uh, candidates have an take option. Us in, to take us into that. Yeah, take us into that. Where they get a copy of their own report. Yeah. 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 So so typically in the in the background check process, the candidate, I would say nine times out of ten, uh, unless you're working with some sort of ATS integration through an HR system, candidates right. are entering their own information, and when they're signing all of their consent documents, saying yes, you can do a background check on me. Um, there's usually an option to receive a copy of their report and they can check that box. Now, that's only a requirement in about three states. Right. Uh, but generally, you know, background screening companies are very consumer friendly and they offer that option to everybody. Um, and if you check the box, you get a copy and um, that that can be a double edged sword. 
because, you know, <laughs> it's just being candid, you know, yeah. candidates get a copy of their report and, you know, hopefully they look at it and they're like, this is great and everything's correct, you know, but um, if they're getting copies of their reports, there's a possibility that they're, they're not liking what they see. Um, hopefully it's not because it's inaccurate, but because, you know, it upsets them to see what's on there in, in certain cases. But ultimately, it makes the process better. Transparency with the candidate is a much better experience. Um, and if something is incorrect in the report, they really should be getting it updated with with the agency. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating because it's like it's it's like your credit report, right? To to know and understand, like Credit Karma or whatever, to understand what's what's going on there. You're not, absolutely you're not, you're not blind. And then if you if there's something wrong, fix it or at least talk about it and uh, explain it, et cetera. Yeah. And in the spirit of this topic that we're talking about, credit reports, bringing those up, um, there are regional disparities with credit reports. So if you're an employer, um, you know, when you want to run a credit report on everybody because you just think you want to know about their credit and you think anyone who has bad credit can't hold a job, for example, um, you can't do that anymore. You shouldn't be doing it anyway, right, right. as an employer. But um, there are laws that say that you cannot do it. Um, and, you know, in many states, the job has to be very related to someone's credit in order to run a credit report at all. In many states, you need very specific consent. Um, it kind of just all ties back to understanding what the laws are in different geographies and um, ensuring that you you know what, what's out there and what exists so that you can, you know, do the right thing. Yeah, I it isn't I, easy. It's It's challenging for sure. Well, it's and it's uh, it leads to hiring bias ultimately. Uh, For sure. So, so as much as we can, as you said, let's put in more transparency. Let's take out less bias. Um, I want to ask you about because you mentioned tech. How much do you see fixing kind of regional disparities or making sure, maybe not fixing, making sure that you're compliant with the disparities? Uh, how do you see? How much do you see this as tech? process or training or combination of all those things or how would you how would you kind of what what, what advice would you have for peers of yours um i would say that um i mean keeping all the laws somewhere electronically generally in tech is helpful right. um, but in terms of how it plays into the process um typically you can talk to your background screening company and they have options where um you know if you're going to make any decisions you can you know write from their portal be able to know what laws might apply, how to follow, you know, the adverse action process, for example, how to adjudicate. Um, they shouldn't be making any of those decisions for you in most cases, um, but you can usually work with them to, you know, implement more automated processes um, to make to make all of these things easier in some way. So I wanted to ask you, uh, thank you, by the way, uh, but I wanted to ask you also about standards because, uh, you know, as we've uh, we've nibbled around the edges of this, but it's, you know, when we when we talk about compliance, auditing, bringing in, uh, you know, obviously employment uh, attorneys, et cetera, how do, how do, what's the best suggestion on, you know, you know, we've seen this happen over, especially over the last couple of years in terms of standardizing the interview process, which is great. Um, so how do we, how do we create our own standards so that A, we guide ourselves closer to being compliant all the time with as it relates to regional disparities? Yeah, of course. That, that's a good question. Um, so the first thing I would say off the top of my head is it's always a good practice to apply the most conservative law. So for example, if somebody lives in one place and they're going to work in a different place, 
there could be two overlapping or conflicting laws um, telling you what you can do during that interview process. Um, it's always best to follow the most conservative one. Uh, I'm not giving any legal advice here. No, um, no, 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 absolutely not. That, I... uh, generally, it's a good rule of thumb because the interview process and laws that exist around the interview process are typically to help candidates get jobs. So, um, you know, major, you know, standards that someone can implement in their process is number one, there's a question on an application um, that used to be really uh, prevalent on all applications. And it was, you know, the question with the box that says, have you ever been convicted of a crime? Um, my suggestion is that should come off of every application. Um, when I talk about ban the box laws and fair chance um, requirements, that's what that is pertaining to. That box on the application that can stop people from getting jobs before you even have a chance to talk to them. Um, so to eliminate that bias, that box should be removed. Um, and the reason why that can be standardized is because that requirement already exists in so many states and areas that if you just took it off completely, you don't. You, it's mindless. You don't have to think about whether or not you can have it on there each time you interview someone. Um, the other thing is just not asking about criminal history up front. It's a great standard practice. Um, that way you don't have to think about what areas say you can and what areas say you can't wait until after a conditional offer. Um, those are probably the top two that come to mind in terms of, you know, things that you can do right up front um, that will ensure you're in compliance in different ways. During I, the love, I love that. So one of the things that, uh, I definitely wanted to ask you in terms of, because you've, you've said, listen, you've got a, you've got a screening partner, a tech partner, uh, probably most likely um, you've got employer lawyer, employment lawyers. You got associations like PBSA um, lean on those heavenly or heavily, excuse me. Um, but it begged the question for, for me, who at, who at the end of the day, who owns compliance as it relates to these regional disparities? Like is is it is it more is it lean more towards talent acquisition or HR or combination of legal like who owns yes. this? Yeah, that's that's great. So I would say um, there are some requirements in the background tech process that fall on the employer in general. Some that fall on the background screening company, mm -hmm. and then within your employer, eight your actual agency that you work with, um, you know, you can call that whatever we want, right? Like we call people in culture here at certain, some right. people call it talent acquisition, some people call it HR, but right. typically it's that HR department, um, wherever the employer is, that is usually the department that's owning, you know, the entire background screening process start to finish. They're usually very much involved in um, SHRM, for example, or different HR organizations that are keeping them in the loop on hiring processes. And they're also the people talking to the background screening company on a daily basis generally. Um, those are who we talk to, um, and they're posing the questions to us about, you know, what should we do here? What should we do there? What should our next steps be? Um, so the, the, there's very few things that actually fall in the background screening agency in terms of true compliance. Um, right. We do help administer a lot of those things, and we educate, and we do what we can, but ultimately right. that, that compliance is on the employer and generally falls on the HR side, um, partnering with their legal counsel, hopefully. Two two questions. One is, uh, do you see do you see a world in which there's a specialization? Because uh, you know, over the years, I've seen like HR operations, uh, uh, employer branding, recruitment marketing, uh, recruit recruiting operations. Do you do you foresee a world where this is so complex that they you need a person that may that works with all the parties to make sure, uh, like that's their job. That's singularly. Oh, that, that definitely exists now. 
Um, you know, we have, we have a lot of larger organizations who have HR people, um, for lack of better words, that are specifically designated to the background check process. And, you know, sometimes their title title is, what's that? Yeah. You're you're about to answer it is what's their, what's their title? I'm I'm curious. Yeah. You know, employment screening coordinator, background check manager. Um, I mean, all over the place, you know, depending on the company. Uh, but absolutely, it definitely requires um, a person who's very familiar with the process. They're not throwing just anybody on, on you know, who's in charge. No, you've you've got again, you've got these partners. So uh, with with your 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 vendor partner, your your attorneys and uh, associations, etc. But it, it seems like this is this is going to. It looks like because of the complexity, this isn't just something you can hire and throw them in there and say go. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) and smaller organizations. Don't get me wrong; they don't have the resources to have their own background screen. Right, 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 right. And so, unfortunately, you know, they are—they have lower resources, and they do depend on us to point them in more directions. And maybe we partner them with some outside counsel they can use that we can recommend. Um, And so that—that for sure happens. So not every organization has all of that, but you know, if you're larger, you do. If you're not. You kind of go in blindly and hope, you know, as we do, you know, we educate our customers and they hear enough to know that they need to put a little bit more, you know, deeper eyes on, on a lot of these things. Uh, I love it. I could talk to you forever. This has <laughs> been so fantastic. Thank you so much, Katie. I, I just uh, thank you for your wisdom and, and your time. Thank, thank you for having me. It's great. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting.